Welcome to episode number 13. Yes, one, three. Lucky to some and not to others, but I guarantee you this one is lucky for all of us. Today, I'm going to talk about Ida Rebecca Cummings and the connection to the Hampton National Historic Site, which is a under-recognized plantation. Yes, that had numerous enslaved folk with tremendous stories. Naturally, I'm extremely excited to be holding in my hand a rare photograph of none other than Ida Rebecca Cummings. Yes, a never-before-shared-with-the-public image of Ida. Not the ones on Google, not the ones at the Maryland Historical Society, not the ones in the NAACP crisis, but the one held in the Nanny Jack and Company archives. So let's get started. Ida Rebecca Cummings was born in 1868 to Henry and Eliza Jane Davidge Cummings in Baltimore, Maryland. She was the first black kindergarten teacher in Baltimore and vice president of the Colored Empty Stocking and Fresh Air Circle, which gave an annual festival to raise funds for the city's underprivileged black children to have Christmas gifts and, yes, a summer camp that was on a nearby farm. She graduated from what was then Morgan College in 1922 and served as its first female board of trustee member for a number of years. Ida's father, Henry, was formerly enslaved and had been manumitted from David Ridgely of White Marsh in 1855 at the age of 28. Ida's maternal grandmother, Sidney Hall Davidge, was also formerly enslaved at the Perry Hall Mansion in Baltimore, Maryland. Sidney Hall was manumitted in 1840. The Ridgeleys of Hampton were closely related to the owners of Perry Hall. The wife of the first owner, Harry Dorsey Guff, was Governor Charles Carnan Ridgely's sister. And this connects us to, or segues us to, Rose Anderson, the artist and her wonderful interpretation through the creative lens of her walking on sacred ground to document the enslaved experience. Welcome, 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 Rose Anderson, artist. And by the way, that is her website, roseandersonartist.com. You will not be disappointed. Rose, where are we? Um, <laughs> we're in my home studio on the Long Calm section of the Gunpowder River in Baltimore County. And by any chance, how or why are you significant and why in the world are we here today? Okay. So, <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, I came to this place um, because an antique dealer was living in this house. And I was coming here to buy something from him. What were you trying to buy? antique frames to put my artwork in. Were you successful in buying those? I was. I I bought the frames. And and, later you purchased the house. And the guy said, do you want the house? And it wasn't on the market. He just said, do you want the house? And I said, yes, I want the house. I don't even know why I wanted the house or why I felt like I needed the house Uh, at that time. It was just a feeling that I had about this place. So within... Maybe six more months I had bought this house and we moved in March, beginning of March 2017. So let me get this straight. You come to this property to buy frames from an antique dealer and months later you buy the biggest frame, which is the frame of the house. (laughs) Of the house, yes. (laughs) And was there some type of spiritual connection to the land or to the area or what what was the pull or draw that that caused you to fall in love with the property? At that time, 
I did not know what this place was. Um, I did not know about this land at all. And I, I had been working on an artistic project um, on a different section of the Gunpowder River where I would spend just hours just crawling along the forest floor looking for these tiny details of nature. So I had, I had learned to see nature in, in this immense detail. So in a way, knowing that this house was on the Gunpowder River, combined with this feeling that I just needed to be here, I bought the house. And it was actually kind of a while before I realized why I needed to buy this house. And so it takes you six months from the date when you first set foot on this property? Uh, just about to, to actually buy to it buy and it. get moved in, yes. Okay. And when you first spent the night in this property, did you meditate? Did you say a prayer, light incense? Could you just reflect on what that first night was as a homeowner in this building on this property? It was kind of a surreal experience. It, I, I don't really know how to describe that, almost as if I, I have this concept of non-linear time, you know, from studying physics, and I, I deal with that concept in my artwork. And being here on that first night, it, it just, just like the day that I came here for the first time and somehow knew that I was going to buy the house, I felt this this sense of the past not just the past of this land but somehow the sense of my own past that I was very personally connected here and I I did not know what that was at that time and it just it started a long slow process of realization of why I was here oh that's powerful I love that I mean if if people listening to this don't get excited about that then they just need to turn off the podcast (laughs) turn off the podcast and go out of the room Um, that's a great uh, piece of information you shared with us In, in keeping with that how long did it take you to to fully understand the connection that you ultimately sucked us into or drew us into <laughs> with regard to your artistic interpretation. Okay, are you ready for this? I, I'm ready for anything. It took me <laughs> just over a year, a year of living here to understand. And um, that actually came about, I, I felt drawn to this walk that the Maryland Natural History Society was hosting. Bill Curtis was leading that. I know the <laughs> um, name. Yeah. He, he was a ranger at um, Hampton National Historic Site for a while, um, and he apparently did a lot of research on the ground around Hampton National Historic mm-hmm, Site. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just decided I was going to go on this, uh, this guided walk with him, um, and we went hiking around the grounds of, of the mansion. If I and, could interject, how, mm-hmm. how many people were in that initial it was quite a few. It was a it was a good turnout. And were there more women than men, or or, or were there any people of color? Could you just give me the, the demographics, the breakdown? You know, that's that's interesting. I don't think there were any people of color at okay. all. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was it was a mix of people, mostly older. Older as in older as in older than fifty, maybe sixty. Okay. Uh, I, I was very young for that okay. group. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we took a hike um, through some areas that the the guide was identifying as areas where enslaved people had lived and worked, and the final destination of this hike was the Northampton Furnace, sticking up out of the waters of Lock Raven Reservoir. Now stop before this hike. Had you ever heard of, been to, or even 
inkling with, with, with the significance. I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. And, and again, it was an, another one of these things that I did because I felt that there was some reason that I should be doing it. So here we are looking at this furnace and the guide is, he's got this book with a picture of what it would have looked like 200, 250 years ago. You know, just a a sketch that someone had made to recreate that. He explained a lot about how the enslaved people who worked there suffered. And then he said something about, oh, these same people that owned this forge had another forge. (laughs) It's right where I-95 crosses over the Gunpowder River. (laughs) And I said, wait... Wait well, a minute. Did you, say that, did you say, say that again? Say that again. <laughs> I did. I interrupted you said, him. Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, everybody be quiet for a second. What did you say? What did you just say? The, the Ridgelys had another forge, and it is here on this section of the Gunpowder River where I live. And that was the moment when I knew why I had bought this house. And this um, entire new body of work has begun to grow Eminate, out of come that. On, yeah. Yes. It, it's like a seed was planted, and it gets nurtured in sun and rain and, and night and day, and now it's just blossoming. Yes. So I immediately went home and just started researching because what what really hit me about that experience was that I walk along this river every day. I had been walking along the river every day for a year and I would see the ruins, these stone walls, iron bolts sticking out of rock. I had been walking past those ruins every day for a year. Um, just in the morning, in the evening, and when would you go um, by? At any time? Both, both, both during the day, because I was continuing the artistic work that I was doing before, which was to crawl along the forest floor and look for these details of nature that really my my message at that time is is most of the work that you'll see up here in this home gallery today that we all of these incredible things all these incredible details of nature are all around us and we barely notice right right? and i had this philosophy that we should know the ground on which we walk and it turned out for me that it was so much deeper than just the bluebells and the mushrooms and the tiny creatures on the forest floor and the birds i was there to find these remnants of human history when you came to get some frames from the antique dealer (laughs) yes You got to keep coming back to that. In any way, shape, or form, did he tip his hand about the significance of the waterway or, or the location or anything? Or, or you were just then only talking about, you know, bartering, or, you know, haggling over the price for this frame or blah, blah, blah. He didn't know. He didn't know? He did not know either. He told me absolutely nothing about that. Um, you know, it, it was just, he had lived here for 20 years. He had wanted to live on the river because he had been on the river as a child. He was an antique dealer because he happened to be an antique dealer. A sure. Completely different set of values, social sure. values than, than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had absolutely no idea. And and I, I came to think of this as kind of a, a, a microcosm of the way that we live in ignorance of history. Because... Say that again. Well, you have all these great phrases today. <laughs> Say that again, please. Uh, this is, it's, it's a microcosm of how we live in ignorance of history. Yes. We don't know the ground that we walk. We don't know the ground that we live on. Amen. 
And I realized that this was sacred ground. And for a while, I was calling this gallery that I was setting up, I was calling it the sanctuary. I love it. I had absolutely no idea. And, And that... In addition to the fact that I'm I'm walking past the historical marker, which is right down here on Philadelphia Road, the historical marker is actually um, it's pretty high level. It just says during the American Revolution, battleship parts were but manufactured here. Would you expect it to be any other than the way it is? I mean, do you really think they were going to say something about the? True. Oh, of course not. Of course no, not. Right. and I, I have rarely seen a sign that does, right, exactly. but I have learned how to reinterpret right. those signs. Good. <laughs> exactly. But that was that was very new territory for me at the time. So do you take pictures while you're there back and forth, or do you take a pad and draw? Or, you know, Talk to me about your artistic uh, methodology when you were trying to begin to come up with some new concept from your walking experiences along the river. I'm a photographer. Okay. I everything I do is Starts from photography. photography. Yes, um, and all of my prints are made from digitally rearranging the images. Right, right. And I think of that as a way of I, I can't take these ancient ruins and make a sculpture out of them, or right. make okay. an assemblage out of them, mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. I can't take the physical objects, but I can capture the light refracting from the object. And in a way, I've, I've taken some of the essence of it. And I, I think some of what I'm capturing is also my own connection to the object mm-hmm. in that I, I have to be around it for a long time. Well, see, that's where I was getting ready to go. It has to speak to me. Doesn't it take a while for the remnant uh, to... Uh, you relate to them or something resonates with you that then you can take your camera at a later time and then begin to uh, capture the the moment it is it is very much like that and um, Hmm. to date I don't think I have photos that I'm really happy with um, because it took me so long just to understand what it was then I, I was really obsessed after that I just, I couldn't wait to go down there every day. I was going down there every day, just just kind of in this this space where I sense this coming together of past, present, and future, this this sense of nonlinear time, that I, I am present to things that happened here before. Did you have the need to tell somebody about this before you started publishing the work? I mean, like, you have a confidant or some, some friends or some neighbor, somebody, you just have to say, oh, guess what, guess what I just uncovered, or not really? You just kept it, no, you kept it inside? No, I kept it very much inside because most of the time my my expression comes out in the form of the artwork. I don't necessarily go into it verbally. That has changed for me a lot with... Uh, the the blog really and so since I, I'm writing about it because I think that's very very necessary yes. in addition to the to, visual depictions right, right. and of course that's going to lead to more conversation about it well, so. and the conversation in itself can add to the visual and, and the other and the historical pieces as well exactly and yes I, I do want to talk about this now have you done any Libra folio research on the property I have done a little bit of research on this section of the river okay I have not gotten to do research on my specific property yet. So you don't know when this was first erected, when it was erected, or who lived here, and what time period? 
That I know a little of. Um, I do know that this house used to be a little farther over there. When they built I-95, <laughs> the house was uh, it was taken by eminent domain sure. and it was moved here to this spot. So in a, in I don't know if I don't know how that relates to the locations of the artifacts necessarily. Right. Sure. But uh, of course, I'm curious about right, that. Right, right, right. Let me ask you something else. When you put up the post on social media, did you think that you would connect with the people working on uh, the Hampton Ethnographic uh, Project at the National Park Service? No, did I did even not think group, that. Did you know the group existed? No, I did not. <laughs> I was working in a bubble, and, and that was a real shame. <laughs> Um, I it was my hope that if I just kept putting things out there, I would find the right people. Well, we're adopting you. Thank you. Know, we're, I, we're, I needed that. We're not going to let you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I I just thought maybe if I kept putting the artwork out there, if I kept putting the blogs out there. And so I really had thought that this body of artwork would start with the artifacts at the river, and it would start here. I, I was very surprised by where it started. In reality, I went up to the Ridgely Mansion, and that Your first visit. No, not my first visit. I was there ten years ago in two thousand eight in Hampton. Two thousand eight, maybe two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Okay. I they invited me to tour the mansion. I guess I had just wandered in there. I didn't know the the um, significance. I was very very young. You were there then because of the architecture, the furniture, the the portrait paintings. The what was the draw? I don't know. Okay. Just. Oh, here's a, a park that's public. I'll go okay. in it. Right. I think okay. that was it. Right. So I, I got the tour, and um, the tour was very much about the silver, <laughs> the portraits of the, the white people. The... <laughs> oh, no, you're very one tall. of those white people. Now. <laughs> it was very much about, look at these people and this evidence of just how rich they were. Right. And as ignorant as I was, that didn't sit right with me. Hmm. And by the end of the tour, I believe we ended in the kitchen, and the tour guide told us how hot it was in the summer and that the enslaved people had to work in there, and they were not allowed to leave. And I had a bit of a panic attack in the Hampton Mansion, and I had to leave. Really? I was very, I was impacted very much by, by hearing that. Having gone through the mansion tour... With, with all of this very superficial, very information to me that was kind of meaningless. I, I, you know, just thinking, even in my ignorance, this isn't history. Why do I care about what kind of silver they had? I just got to stop Why you. do I? Whenever I've been inside, I just say to myself, why do I care about this part of it? So hearing you say this <laughs> only confirms yes. the fact that I, I know I'm not alone in my theory when I, when I really don't care to learn what kind of furniture that is. Yes. Who painted that magnificent portrait up there and I get to the you get to the real story. That's what I want. Yes. The nuts if, and bolts. That's what if I'm I'm gonna learn history. <laughs> right. I don't care right. where the silver is from that right. the rich people are eating off of. I, I, uh, But yeah, that was my first experience with Hampton National Historic Site quite a few years ago. Unbelievable. And so once I, I understood that there was a connection between this land where I am now and the Hampton mm-hmm. property, um, I went back there and I took the tour reluctantly because I, I didn't think I was going to, to like it. Um, and I actually talked to one of the rangers about that before I went 
in and I was like, well, what's the narrative like? So um, I went and I, I took the tour again and, and there were a few more um, interesting details that were added about the true history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually did go to Anokole. Yeah. Um, I went to her presentation a couple of weeks ago where she does a tour of right. the slave yes. quarters yes. and she, boy, she's a goldmine of information. And the um, NBTA, it was a great tour. but she's a Lone Ranger. No pun intended. She, <laughs> she's a Lone Ranger. <laughs> uh, that was kind of smooth, but that was not intended to be that way, meaning that she has really had a difficult road to hold because of her being one of the only African-American Rangers. Yes. And then dealing with the topic and so forth. Yes. Yeah. She is very courageous. Yes. And she speaks yes. her truth. Yes. She really does. Um, I, I, I really um, enjoyed her tour. While you were there, and during the Negro Count at that presentation, could you tell me the number? Three out of about 20 people were people of color. Three. Yes. So off air, I think we were, it may have been off air, I'm not sure, we were discussing how the audience that we're reaching is not African American. And your comment just supported my theory. Yes, and that's, that is very true because I said the same thing when I started making this artwork and writing these blogs. I don't know why, but my audience is white. So, you know, it, there's a, some dualities and dichotomies, some, some complexities to why the audience is who it is, and then how do we flip that to get African-Americans, black people, people of African descent, interested in the important enslaved-free narrative. So, if and I'm not saying if we only have you or it's all that we got, but as Nanny Jackson, my great-grandmother used to say, and she was from East Housen, and she migrated up from West Virginia, she said, half a loaf better than no bread at all. So in essence, if we start off with you, that's better than not starting off at all. So when you first went out to your walk, did you pick up anything? Did you pick up a piece of wood? Did you pick up a leaf? Did you pick up a piece of metal? I mean, a rock? Did you, or did you when you first went along, the, if you could recall? I have never touched the artifacts. You've never touched I the have thing. never touched them. Not even to move it around to take the no, picture? No, I have not touched the artifacts. So you've left them in their natural state? I Yes. I, I have a practice in my photography that I do not touch anything. That means that if you don't like the angle, you're going to get down on the ground and twist yourself. I like do, this, yes. Or, or I do. if you have to take a prop like a she step does. stool. I do. You're with Okay, So you, you, you really. I do, yes. I will lay on the ground. I'll be rolling around on the ground. I have laid in some things that were regrettable. Um, <laughs> Okay. I do. I have not. You I have not some touched. Some lotion, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <Poor Ivy. laughs> um, there, there is one ruin on the other side of the river that is a puddling furnace. I have been kind of inside of it and up very close to it and climbed over what might be a part of the structure because there's no other way to get around it. That is probably the most impressive ruin or artifact that I found back there because not only is you can tell that it's an old structure, you can tell what it was. Are you at peace back there by yourself, or do you often feel you're better off if you have some people with you? Um, I'm I'm by myself most of the time um, because I need to just be quiet with the surroundings. Okay. And I got very used to doing that when I was doing nature photography and understanding 
understanding the ground that I walked on from the standpoint of, of nature. Mm-hmm. And of course, now our part of natural history is anthropology. That's our natural history. And yes. that's there too, which I didn't, I wasn't ready to kind of communicate with that part of the ground, that part of the land. So I'm now going to kind of the same places that I would go to do the nature photography, but I, I'm sensing different things. I just I have to be quiet and alone with the artifacts. And I'm doing a lot of that at, at the, the mansion also because you can just, you can sense what was there. I love this. I, you, you know, you're speaking, <laughs> you're preaching from the same Bible or hymnal with all the things you're saying. And this is might be a little bit bizarre for our audience, but I don't care. <laughs> have you felt any spiritual connections while you're out? Have you, have you felt that somebody was with you that you could not see or any, any of that type of uh, phenomenon? When I talk about sensing nonlinear time, being able to sense the past in a place, sometimes I do feel the people that were there and I do get a very strong sense of that. Um, there's oh, oh, maybe just about right up that way on the trail by the river. And, and this really is the section of the river that was referred to as the Long Calm Ford where they would cross the river when it was much different 200 years ago. But there's there's the remains of a, a grist mill, um, an mid-1800s grist mill down there. And I felt that very much there. I would... In, in the early part of my exploration, I would go down to that area and I do feel the presence of people from the past. Mm. And um, that led me to, to go and do some research to see if I could f- at least find some names of enslaved people that were there. I found three names. Could you share them? Yes. There was a man named Cato, a man called Cato, mm-hmm. a man called Hercules, mm. And we know about them because of a an ad placed for their return after they ran away in 1778. I'm done. I'm <laughs> done. 1778? 1778. And um, I found one more name. And any that, women? Please tell me about n- I haven't found any women. Okay. Not yet. Okay. I have one I have one more man. And okay. he, he was called Cheshire. Cheshire? Cheshire. And I know his name because... Of a 1771 bill of sale, and he was being sold. My Lord, this is powerful. This is powerful. Here, and and you're doing this all from a volunteer, artistic, uh, creative perspective. You are what we call a godsend. <laughs> it's a we're, godsend for me too. I I literally feel as though I am here to do this, right. which is right. why it consumes every right. waking moment and maybe maybe even moments when I'm not awake. Right. Yeah. So what happens with me is I learn a couple of details, but then I'm off on an artistic angle right. for right. that. So what really mattered to me was not specifically which ruins were the Nottingham Ironworks and which ruins were the Joppa Ironworks and who created that mill over there. Right. It was just, wow. People think about slavery and they think about plantations, but there's this whole other on, yes. universe yes. of industrial yes. slavery yes. that most people don't even know about. And it was just atrocity. Right. And... All over this area, um, it's everywhere. There are a lot of furnaces. And I live on Forge Road. I bought a house on Forge Road. So what does that tell you? Forge Road. What Forge does that tell you? Right. Road. Right. What does that tell you? Right. 
the forges are right there on the river. There was a connection between Northampton Furnace and, wait a minute, Forge Road and those ruins that I see every day. That was a big deal for me. It's a big deal for us. It was a huge deal. it's, It's a huge deal for us. What would you want the public to know about Rose Anderson, the artist, the creative talent, the person? The owner of property on Forge Road. (laughs) (laughs) I want people to know. It's it's really only one thing, and that's to know the ground on which we walk. And I can facilitate that a little bit, I hope. You can. We all can. And and so the the blog uh, or the WordPress or the piece that got us really connected to you was called? It was called Ill-Gotten Ephemera. That was the title of the blog. Because as, as I was walking around the Hampton Mansion weekend after weekend, hoping for something to come to me artistically about these artifacts. That was that was what came to me in the end, was that these are these are ill gotten ephemera. And I, I, I said that specifically about the the marble Cupid statue yes, that I have yes. a photo of in here. He's missing his arm. There's pieces, uh, crack, a uh, crack yes. down his leg. There's mm-hmm. some pieces of him missing. And you wouldn't normally think of a marble statue as ephemera, right? Right, right, you wouldn't. But um, what came to me from these artifacts was the idea that even, even if something lasts for thousands of years, it's still ephemera in the end. And this is ephemera that was paid for with human life. And we're all ephemeral in the end. That's brilliant. Right? That's brilliant. Yeah. So Ill, ill-gotten ephemera. This concludes a magnificent conversation with Rose Anderson at the sanctuary uh, in Baltimore County. Uh, and we look forward to uh, a future get-together after she attends the uh, two-day event. October 26th and 7th, Towson University and Hampton Plantation. I'm out.